the second one is that it's it's never too late or never too early to start investing. I was only able to afford my first two properties because of all the money I had saved up and invested while pursuing financial independence. If I didn't have that money saved up, it would have been very difficult for me to take these first steps. Welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing, a show where I share my personal journey and the challenges I face as an investor. I invite industry experts to share their wisdom and advice to help me overcome these adversities with the hope that it'll help you on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Sogad Ghimire, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. This episode is going to be slightly different than the ones that we've had so far. Uh, so far, I've had get several guests come on and had the opportunity to interview them, and we learned about their stories and learned about certain topics. Uh, but part of the reason I started this podcast is to share my own journey with you uh, so that you could see what steps I'm taking, the mistakes I've made, the lessons I've learned, and so, you could, so that you could take all of that and apply it to your own journey. And my goal is to make these kinds of episodes uh, at least once a quarter. I think that'd be a good frequency to share updates. Uh, but since this is the first one, I think we're going to start all the way from the beginning um, and talk about you know how I got started and what I'm doing currently, challenges I face, challenges I'm facing currently, and what my next steps are. So you know, let's start from the beginning. So I learned about financial independence about five or six years ago. Uh, before that, um, I I wouldn't say I was irresponsible with my money, but I didn't really save much. Right? Um, I was lucky I didn't have student loans. Uh, I was lucky that I graduated and got a, a pretty well-paying full-time um, full-time job, uh, but I didn't have that financial education. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with my money. Uh, I know in the first couple of weeks of uh, starting my um, job, uh, someone had sat down with me and you know kind of walked me through you know um, how I set up my 401k contributions and uh, where those um, funds should be invested. Um, But it wasn't really emphasized um, to me that I should be doing more than that or I could be doing more than that. I thought, you know, as long as I contribute that minimum amount to the 401k, I wasn't even maxing that out, um, that minimum amount. I thought that was enough and that was going to be enough for me to retire at whatever age it is that uh, I'd retire. And at that point, it was, you know, 65 and a half or whatever that standard age is. Uh, And it was probably a year or two later that another coworker actually talked to me about financial independence. And this was kind of where my whole mentality around money and what I should be doing with it kind of shifted. Uh, And once I learned about financial independence and learned about the fact that maybe I didn't have to work for the rest of my life, uh, it really appealed to me. So I spent countless hours reading blog posts from people like Mr. Money Mustache or The Mad Fientist. Um, and I, I feel like I familiarized with myself with, you know, all the concepts of financial independence pretty well, um, to a point where I was even sharing and became like, you know, the subject matter expert among my friend group. And I was sharing with them what I was doing. Uh, I even started a YouTube channel where I shared, um, some of this information, 
so I was very passionate about it. I was, you know, working really hard uh, on budgeting, keeping track of, you know, where my money's going, um, all my financials. I would calculate, you know, every so often to see, you know, at this current rate of saving and investing, how long would I have to work until I reached financial independence. Um, and so I think that got me on the right track. Uh, fast forward to December of 2021, um, my girlfriend shared with me some TikToks where people were talking about Airbnb arbitrage. Now, up till this point, I was following the typical financial independence, uh, the FIRE community uh, guidelines around sh saving and investing. And a lot of it, uh, the investing strategies are around taking your money and putting it into the S&P 500 or the total stock market index fund. And so that's essentially what I was doing, right? I was taking all my money and I was just dumping it into um, the total stock market index fund. Um, but fast forward to December 2021, where, you know, I see these TikToks about Airbnb arbitrage. Uh, the idea really appealed to me because of the returns and uh, the profits that these people were making. The numbers looked really good, uh, much higher than what you'd make from uh, the stock market. And so I started looking into it. It caught my interest. Uh, but looking into that led me down a rabbit hole uh, uh, and... I started coming across more real estate content and the fire community, typically their stance on real estate is that it's not really passive. There's a lot of work involved. Um, and so, you know, the uh, mindset there is that it's not really that worth it. Um, and, but I think a point that they may have missed is all the benefits. So I'll, I'll get to that. Um, but once I started learning about uh, real estate, um, you know, I, I started with the arbitrage route. I, I looked into that and then I got in, you know, I got videos on real estate. Um, and then I, I started familiarizing myself with it and st started to understand the power and the benefits uh, behind real estate. So even though the arbitrage route was what, what first caught my attention, uh, I felt that a lot of the benefits actually come from owning real estate. And so if you want to learn about all the benefits of investing in real estate, I think that the last episode I released was a really great one. I interviewed Jesse Dillon and we went over the main benefits of real estate investing. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes for you. I'll also link it up here in those little cards that YouTube shows. But if you're listening it to, uh, to me on a podcast platform, just go to the last episode. But Going back to real estate, um, as someone who is working a full-time job and I'm lucky enough to be earning a pretty good salary, I was already paying a lot of taxes. And so if I was to operate an Airbnb arbitrage business, any income that I made would just be added on top of the income that I was making at my full-time job. And because I was already being taxed um, a pretty at a higher tax bracket, uh, all the income that I'd be earning would be taxed at that higher um, tax bracket. And so um, to me, though the numbers look good, um, the taxes themselves didn't fully justify getting into this, uh, the field, um, this, this uh, business uh, model. 
Um, but I, uh, as I started learning about real estate, I learned that there are actually ways to reduce my taxable income. So uh, as someone earning money from their full-time job and paying taxes on them, I could use real estate to actually reduce that taxable income. Um, so I decided to go this route. So again, if you want to learn about these benefits, please go to the last episode. Um, so yeah, and then once I discovered this power and I decided, hey, like I should be um, investing in real estate. And now I understand why all the wealthy people tend to invest in real estate. Uh, I started researching and learning about real estate and I listened to a ton of podcasts and I decided that the best way for me to get started is by house hacking. Now, I've also released episodes on house hacking. So if you're not familiar with that, you can go there. But essentially, the concept is that you buy a property where you can live in part of the property, um, but also rent out portions of it. And so you get the benefit of being a primary residence. There are lots of benefits that come with that, such as putting lower down payment and getting a better interest rate. But you also get the benefit of your uh, house, your property generating income for you. And so uh, because uh, of this whole um, fascination with Airbnb arbitrage, my girlfriend and I still wanted to try doing Airbnb. So our goal was to find a multifamily property where we could live in one of the units and then Airbnb or short-term rental the rest of the units. Um, and so we, start, we started our house hunt beginning of 2022. This was literally you know, a couple of weeks after I learned about um, real estate. Um, we, we started touring properties. And so we looked at several multifamily properties here in the Seattle area. That's where I live currently. Um, but most of them were very old and dated um, or, you know, I, I felt like the price point wasn't right. Um, and I wasn't confident enough to take on a large rehab project on my first deal. And even if I took on um, like, you know, one of these properties that maybe didn't need rehab right away um, because they were older, there were always going to be these issues that come up. Uh, and I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to take on, um, you know, a property that needs a lot of work as my first investment property. I also wanted something that was somewhat turnkey for me to live in, right? So I was... Um, living in an apartment at that time. My lease was about to end. So I didn't want to spend months and months uh, waiting for uh, a property to be fixed up before I could move into it. So um, that was the problem with the multifamily properties in Seattle where they were they tended to be a little bit more dated or they were a little bit outside my budget. Uh, we then pivoted to looking at townhouses where we could maybe uh, rent out the bottom floor, if there was a bedroom there, to on Airbnb, and then live on the higher floors where typically, you know, the kitchen and living room is on the second floor, and then the bedrooms are on the third floor. Uh, we have a lot of those, you know, skinnier, taller townhouses in Seattle. And so that was an idea. Uh, but it was still tough with townhouses to find the right layout. Uh, not all of them fit that perfectly. We also wanted a way to kind of, you know, segment out that bottom floor, you know, block it off somehow so that it offers a little bit of privacy both to the Airbnb guests, but to us as well as we were living on the higher floors. Uh, we did find one um, but it was about $900,000 and $900,000 for a townhouse felt like a lot. And, you know, this was beginning of 2022 where the market was really hot as well. So 
it was a little tough to you know commit to that but we continued our search and then we got lucky right we went to see this townhouse uh we didn't really have much hope for it i believe it was about you know a thousand square feet three floors it was three bed two bath um i remember walking in and in less than five minutes we were walking out like the bedrooms were tiny some you know a couple of them didn't even have a closet in there uh, it might have been two bedrooms but it, you know the second bedroom didn't have a closet in it and so you know it, it wasn't really going to work so we were walking out but just as we were heading out the door the real estate agent stopped us and asked us what we were looking for and you know i told them you know the space was a little too tight for us our this you know our goals were to you know possibly rent out parts of it i told them that ideally what i really wanted was to buy a multifamily property uh, where I could live in one of the units and rent out the others as Airbnbs. And then he tells me he knows a good one. And so I met him a couple of days later at the property. And this property was a three-story house. Uh, each floor was a separate unit. So it was uh, pretty much a triplex. Uh, the top two units were two bedroom, one bathroom, and the bottom one was one bed, one bath. And so what had happened was uh, builders had... Uh, bought this house because it came with uh, a good plot of land behind it. So they bought that house and they built several townhomes behind the house. And with the house that's existing here, they decided to just renovate it, which was perfect for me. Right? Uh, it wasn't perfect. There were still some issues. So there were no parking spots. Um, the laundry hookups weren't uh, in place, which I actually found out after I moved in. Uh, or after I bought the property, but it didn't have laundry hookups. The biggest one for me um, was also the fact that the basement was going to be left unfinished, right? Um, they had bought it as a triplex, but I, uh, for some reason and with timelines, they weren't able to get the permits for the basement, so they couldn't finish off the basement, but they renovated the top two floors. Uh, and discussing with the real estate agent, um, he told me, you know, we could fix all of these issues. He knew a good contractor who could do all of this for me, gave me an estimate. Um, the contractor also came by, looked at the house. So I thought, you know what, um, I'll just move forward with this. The house was listed for $1.15 million, which was, you know, very expensive for my first house. But in comparison to the $900,000 townhouse, it seemed like a much better deal because I'm getting three units. They're very um, isolated, like they have their separate entrances from the outside. Um, so there was a lot of privacy. It was, it, you know, was ideal for the Airbnb, um, um, the Airbnb, Airbnb strategy that I wanted to do. And so we decided to proceed. So um, I financed the house with a 5% down FHA loan. Um, but with, you know, 5% uh, down, which freed up the capital for me to then uh, spend that money on the renovations that I wanted to do, right? Uh, the top unit was mostly ready to go. We added laundry hookups. The middle unit, we changed a few walls, um, made the bathroom a little bigger so that we could have a full-size stackable washer-dryer in there. Um, so the top two units were more or less ready to go. Uh, the basement was unfinished, so that was the one that we needed to work on. Luckily, um, when... Uh, uh, we were looking at the basement and trying to figure out the right layout. We found out that we could actually get a little bit more space than originally uh, thought um, in there. And so we were actually able to 
kind of restructured the way it looked and made uh, it into a, a two-bedroom, one-bath uh, unit as well. Um, and the last thing was we didn't have a parking spot uh, at the property. Um, and since we were living here for one year, that was kind of a must-have for us. So uh, we were able to... Uh, build a carport in the back. If you're getting value from this video, I'd really appreciate it if you could hit the like button and subscribe to my channel. It'll let YouTube know to put this video in front of more people so that they can also learn something from it. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. Um, to uh, park the car. So all in all, we were able to put, uh, with the hundred about $120,000 in renovations, we were able to get this property to uh, what we wanted. Uh, I closed on the property in April and we were able to get the middle unit listed uh, by the end of July. So it took some time to do some of those rehab work and then to furnish it, decorate it, uh, and get it ready for Airbnb and to list it. And so by end of July, we were up and running. The bottom unit uh, was listed in November. So that one needed way more rehab. And then we had to go furnish that and decorate that as well and get a stage for Airbnb. So that one went live in November. Uh, the property has been doing okay so far. Uh, hasn't been phenomenal. Um, and I think that's also because, you know, I listed one end of July, the other one in November, and then we entered the winter months in Seattle, and the winter months are uh, slower for vacation rentals. So now that we're nearing summer, I'll see how um, it picks up in the summer, and I'll share the numbers once I have about a year of data uh, so that I can give a more accurate representation of this first deal. But so far, I haven't been, you know, uh, super mad. Like I, I haven't been able to cover all my expenses with the two units, um, but I think of it like you know somewhat of a subsidized rent for living at the t in the top unit, which which is okay. But um, once we now come into summer, I'm I'm hoping that the numbers start looking a little better so that it can offset the slower season of the winter months. Uh, towards the end of 2022. Um, I also decided I decided that I wanted to continue pursuing real estate, um, so I decided to buy a second property. Uh, I looked at several options, but ultimately decided to buy a property in Florida. Um, this was my first out-of-state purchase, so I decided to. Um, I guess I was nervous to take on a rehab project, especially as my first out-of-state purchase, and uh, you know. Um, taking on a rehab project out of state, it was a little daunting to me. So I decided I'm going to go with this build to rent option, which was a pretty good deal in my opinion. Uh, the property is in Poinciana, which is about an hour south from Orlando. Um, and, you know, because it was built to rent, as soon as I closed, there was a little bit of equity there as well, just because the houses were appraising for more than what the builder sold the house to me for. So all in all, it sounded like a pretty good deal at cash flows. So uh, I decided to commit to that. Um, construction was just finished about a month ago, and I'm finishing up the final paperwork uh, for all the lending documents. So I'll share more information about this property in the next update. But yeah, that was essentially my second uh, purchase last year. Uh, the, I wanted to share some of the challenges I've faced so far as well. Um, I think one of the lessons is, you know, with contractors, it took longer than, you know, what they had or originally told me about. You know, there's always 
whether it's excuses or legitimate re- reasons, um, the lesson here is, you know, account for that. Uh, be prepared for things to take longer, for things to be a little bit more expensive than you originally estimated. So add, add that buffer. Um, it's not a huge deal at the end of the day, but still, you know, it was frustrating that I had to wait, um, you know, a few months longer than, you know, what was originally promised. Uh, I think going forward, if I was to work with contractors, I'd actually write up a contract um, in the beginning before we go into that uh, working relationship and write, you know, down the timelines and even write down, you know, um, what would happen if those timelines were not met, whether it's like, you know, the uh, I pay uh, a lesser amount for each day that uh, is delayed or something like that. Um, yeah, in the future, I think I'll definitely write up a contract. Um, the second challenge, I think I touched on this, was you know the confidence around buying distressed properties uh, as newer investors or even experienced investors. Right, the the way you get your best return on investment is buying distressed properties and then adding value to that and then either refinancing out or flipping it. Um, But that confidence um, for me just wasn't there in the beginning. Um, And so what I've done is I found a mentorship group and I've joined that. And now I have a group of, you know, other investors as well as my mentor plus some other uh, more experienced investors in there uh, that I can uh, talk to about my deals and I can learn from. So now that if now that um, I'm looking for my third uh, investment property, I can go after these distressed properties and I can talk to this group and kind of get their thoughts um, before I jump into it. The third challenge was around financing. So I, I bought the first two properties um, with my whatever money I had saved up from my years of pursuing financial independence. Um, but then I kind of ran out of money and I didn't know how to scale, right? And I think um, through talking to various people and the mentorship group, um, I've learned that, you know, there are other ways to finance these deals, whether it's leveraging other people's money or, um, you know, private money, hard money lenders, um, or, you know, even taking advantage of the fact that you have equity uh, in your existing properties. There are several ways to finance. Um, But I think the biggest um, mindset shift I've had to have is that uh, the deal is actually more important. So if you find a really good deal, there are ways for you to, you will find ways to finance it. Uh, and pe- more people will be willing to give you their money or loan you their money if you have a good deal on hand. So uh, the lesson is to not focus as much on the financing, but focus more on the deal, and then the financing will be easier to follow up, um, to find, sorry. Um, this next segment, I want to share some of the lessons I've learned over the last year, year and a bit while pursuing uh, real estate uh, or financial independence, but just lessons in general. Uh, The first one, you know, I think Robert Kiyosaki says this really well, um, where, you know, most people think that there are two sides to a coin. 
Um, but Robert Kiyosaki says there's actually a third, which is the side, the edge, right? And most people stand, tend to stand on one of the sides, uh, whereas he likes to stand on the edge so that you could see both of the sides um, and understand them and familiarize yourself with both sides and then make your own informed decision. And I think this was my mistake when it came to real estate is because I was, you know, learning from the fire community and I was reading all these uh, blog posts and articles around investing where it was heavily focused on the S&P 500 um, style investing, where I just put it in index funds. Um, I feel like I never really took the time or uh, to um, learn about real estate or other types of investing. And if I had uh, spent some time learning about real estate, I would have learned about the benefits much, much sooner. And I would have taken action and invested in real estate much, much sooner. And I would have been further along in my journey. Right. So I think the first lesson is, you know, even now, as I've learned about real estate, like it's always good to have an open mind and learn about other investing vehicles as well. Um, so that's my first lesson learned. Uh, the second one is that it's it's never too late or never too early to start investing. I was only able to afford my first two properties because of all the money I had saved up and invested while pursuing financial independence. If I didn't have that money saved up, it would have been very difficult for me to take these first steps. And maybe I wouldn't have even... Um, pursued real estate investing at all and I now that I have I've learned that you know there are other ways to finance deals other than your own money but you know I would have never really given it a chance if I didn't have you know the original capital to purchase these properties um the next set of lessons learned are around uh short-term rentals themselves um you know uh, operating uh you know one of my listings for about half a year now, maybe just over a year. Uh, there are certain things I've learned. And um, one of them is that uh, is having systems is very key. Um, it can take a lot of time to manage a short-term rental. Uh, and you eventually need to get to a place, especially if you want to scale, where you have systems in place and you can trust other people to um, follow those systems. Uh, simply speaking, even you know the systems or the the procedures for my cleaners to take. That's that's very important to have. So right now um, we have basically this checklist or the set of instructions for cleaners. So even if you know, well now my cleaners they're pretty regular and they're um, and they know the system and processes very well. But even if I need to onboard a new cleaner, for example, I already have this um, this documentation in place and I can just send it to them and say, hey, this is what I expect out of you. Um, other systems are um, more so maybe uh, around the tooling, right? So there, there are several tools that you should uh, bring into your um Airbnb business that will make things a lot a lot easier for you. Uh, some of them are around pricing, so making sure you know your properties are priced correctly. Because if you don't price them correctly, um, maybe they're they're you know a couple months down the road, there's an event that's happening that you don't know about, and all the other Airbnbs are you know 
priced up and there's a lot of demand, but you miss out on that opportunity um, because you didn't know about it, um, it's really important to have the pricing tool so you don't lose out on these opportunities. They they take into factor, you know, seasonality, time of the week, um, and also, um, you know, events and things happening in the local area. Um, so pricing tool is key. The second one is around uh, property management software. Um, I used HostAway, um, but it basically makes it easy for you to put your listing across multiple platforms like Airbnb, Verbal, um, Booking.com, etc. Um, I think it's important to have these pieces um, pretty early on because they, they do provide a lot of helpful features um, that I think would make your life a lot easier, save a lot of time. Uh, we've gotten to a point where um, all of our listing, uh, as soon as we have a booking, it automatically creates tasks and it's assigned to the cleaners and they know when to come in and clean. So it's it's pretty much a lot more hands-off now. I wouldn't say totally hands-off, but a lot more hands-off now. So uh, leverage these tools. They're, they're there to help you and they are very helpful. I, I would recommend them. Um, so challenges that I'm currently facing, um, it's somewhat unrelated to, um, my real estate business, but it's more so like a personal life. Uh, we've decided to relocate to California. Um, so that in itself is taking a lot of time just preparing for that, you know, went there to find an apartment uh, and then now have to, you know, pack, uh, figure out how to move all of our stuff. Fortunately, a lot of the furniture we're leaving behind because the third unit that we're living in, we're living in, will also be rented out as an Airbnb now. So all three units will be operating as Airbnbs. Um, so fortunately, a lot of the furniture will stay, but, you know, packing the other stuff, moving, all that sort of stuff is taking a lot of time. So uh, not a lot of time to uh, focus on scaling the real estate portfolio, especially because I am also working a full-time job at the moment. Um, but I'm hoping as soon as we relocate there, um, uh, I'll have more time to find another deal and scale a portfolio. So next steps and goals. Uh, this is the final section that I wanted to cover. Uh, next steps, I mean, moving to California, listing this third unit on Airbnb. Um, I've also been working with on creating a direct booking website. Um, so one of the things with Airbnb, verbalbooking.com, they're nice. They provide a lot of traffic to the website, um, uh, or sorry, to your listing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you don't have a ton of control over your listing, right? So if, you know, guests complain or they uh, write a bad review, it could significantly, um, I guess, reduce the number of listings or impact your profit at the end of the day. It, it could negatively impact your business, right? Uh, and so I'm working on creating a direct booking website so people can book directly through me rather than um, going through, these other uh, websites such as Airbnb, VerbalBooking.com, uh, and I'm working with Boostly. So if you if you're interested in this as well, there is an episode of I think episode number ten where I interviewed Mark Simpson, the founder of Boostly, and we go over you know why you need a direct booking website. Um, but yeah, I'm I've been working with them, and my w website just went live yesterday. Um, 
And so the the goal is to you know list this third unit, promote my book direct booking website. So these are some of the things that I'll be taking on. Uh, and then lastly, um, also you know I I'd like to buy another property uh, soon here uh, in the next couple of months. And so I'm on the hunt for that. So in the next update, hopefully I, I'll be able to share that uh, with you guys. Um, I think that's about it. That's mostly all I wanted to cover. If there are certain topics that you'd like me to cover in the next one or questions you have, please leave them in the comment below uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tackle those in the next one. Uh, if there's other areas that you want to learn about me or my journey, uh, let me know and I'll make sure to cover that as well. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, I hope this was helpful. I hope that my, uh, you know some of the lessons I've learned will also uh, apply to your life, help you out in some way. Um, and yeah, if you have any feedback or anything, uh, make sure you can reach out to me. You can reach me on Instagram at isogotthis. Um, I'll link that in the show notes as well. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. All right, that is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would really help my mission of teaching more people about real estate investing. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.